glad that you're here on Memorial Day. I know it's a lot of things going on, a lot of people on vacation, traveling, doing all kind of things. We, uh, let's, let's pray before we go to Luke chapter 3. Father, we love you, God. We come before you today thanking you so much for your word, thanking you that we can come into your house today, that we can come and we can, um, God, we can just uh, dig into your word, see what you have for us, God. We, we pray that you would watch over us today and that you would uh, give us uh, the understanding that today we're coming into your presence uh, today in this early service, God, we're reading your word in the Sunday school classes. We're going to be digging into your word and fellowshipping with one another. God, and in the second service, we're going to come worship you in spirit and truth. God, we're going to come together and uh, lift your name and, and hear your word preached, God. We pray that you would be with uh, all the readings and the preaching of your word today, even tonight, Father, and that you would uh, be with those that aren't here, that are traveling. Keep them safe, God, and bring them back to us, and we thank you for that. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, uh, in Luke uh, chapter 3, if you remember, the last time we looked at chapter 2, we saw that... Uh, we, we left Jesus. He was like 12 years old. He was in the temple. Remember, his parents lost him. Uh, he was in the temple about his father's business, and uh, he was uh, growing. It says he, he grew in the, in the favor of God and man. He grew in the grace of God and man, and he was uh, learning and growing and, and becoming a, uh, a man. And then uh, in chapter 3, verse 1, we're going to snapshot again. We're going to fast forward again, to the beginning of the ministry of John the Baptist and the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see all that. We're going to see that John is a prophet that emerges out of the wilderness and he starts preaching. He starts preaching. He does today what, what all preachers do today. He is going to basically call the people to repentance and he's going to point to Jesus and say, this is him. This is the one that's going to free you. This is the one that's going to save you. This is the one that you need to be following. This is the one, the Savior, the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. John's going to do the same thing that all believers do today. He's going to do the same thing witnesses do, the same thing you do when you testify to Christ, the same thing uh, we do as we preach His Word. It's all pointing to Christ. And so he's going to, uh, he's going to be pointing to Him, and He's going to give a message that's going to... It's basically going to be summed up in one single word, and that word is repent. That's basically John's message. So if we look at the first two verses, it says, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of Ituria, and of the region of Trachonitis, and Lysanias, the tetrarch of Abilene, Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. That's a whole lot to say in somebody. You could have just said, you could have just said in 2017, but that's not how Luke did it. We could take some time if you want to, and we could talk about all these different guys, the, the rulers, the emperor, the governor, and all that. Uh, and all of this, I'll just give you the short version. It all puts this between around 27, 29 AD, somewhere in there. Uh, we know by the, 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 the years that these rulers ruled. But I don't think the point is for me to go by and tell you um, a whole thing about the emperor and Pontius Pilate and who they were and what kind of guys they were and what they did. John, uh, Luke, excuse me, he is talking about John and he gives this introduction. And if you know, if you read your Old Testament, you can look in the book of, of Jeremiah and Zechariah and Haggai and Daniel and almost all of the Old Testament prophets, just chapter one, verse one in those books. 
uh, Haggai, Zechariah, Daniel, uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of them that, that are coming to my mind, it all starts this, this way. They all start in the third year of the reign of whatever king, in the third, you know, in the 14th year of so-and-so, uh, the word of God came to Jeremiah. The word of God came to Ezekiel. Luke is painting the picture that John is the last Old Testament type prophet that's going to come. He is the prophet that's coming out of the wilderness in the spirit of Elijah, and he's going to come as the prophet of God. Just like uh, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Haggai and Daniel, and Zechariah and all these guys that you see in the Old Testament that was speaking the word of God. Luke is painting the picture that John is a prophet just like them. And that's the reason he introduces him like this. In the year of whatever, the word of God came to Jonah. The word of God came to Jeremiah. The word of God came, it says the word of God came to John. So he steps out of the wilderness to start preaching and to, and to start being the prophet of God. And what this means is when John is coming out of the wilderness, we're talking about John the Baptist here, not the apostle John. When he comes out of the wilderness and he is preaching and he's telling the people that they need to repent and he's pointing toward this Messiah. This is not just a godly man. This is not somebody, you know, he's a pretty popular fellow. We need to go out and see him. We need to go hear what he's saying. We need to go out and, and check him out. He's really, uh, really forceful and really strong and really, you know, he, he doesn't care what people think. All those things are true. But the reason that he comes out preaching, the reason that he comes out in his ministry is because God's word comes to him, which means means for us today that John is a prophet of God. He's speaking the words of God. He is the last Old Testament type prophet that comes before the Son of God comes and we and we are uh, united with him in his death, burial, and his resurrection. He's the last Old Testament type prophet. And so what that means is that you and I and the people that were there hearing John, they have a responsibility. They have a responsibility to uh, hear what he says and to obey the word of the Lord that he speaks to uh, to reject John. You're going to see here if you look in Matthew and uh, Mark, you'll see a couple of times where Pharisees and Sadducees come out to hear John the Baptist and they kind of argue with each other and to do that kind of thing to reject John the Baptist, to reject John's preaching, to reject his testimony, to, to reject what he is saying is to reject God. So make sure you understand that. It's the same thing for us today. These things have been written. The Holy Spirit has inspired the, the authors of Scripture. And today, as I come, even if I blow it completely and give you something, you know, so terrible that, you know, I can't get my thoughts together or I'm just rambling, the word that I'm going to read from these Scriptures is the inspired Word of God. And you have an, you have an obligation and a responsibility to, uh, to trust, to obey this Word word of God, whether I do a good job or not, whether I present it well or not, whether I make it understandable or, or not. If I just stood up here and did nothing for 30 minutes and read from verse one all the way down and just continued until I ran out of time, you are responsible for that word of God that comes to your hearing because God's word has been written infallibly for us. And so what we see here is that John is coming and this big, long introduction, uh, rather than going through all these people and telling you just what kind of people they were and who they were. I, I think I need you to see today that what he's doing is he's introducing John as a prophet. So John's message that we're going to get to here in just a moment is going to be one that is from 
God. It is one that is from God. It's not just John's thoughts. It's not just his, you know, I think it'd be a good idea if I holler at the people and tell them to repent. I think it'd be a good idea if I, if I, if I pointed to Jesus today. I think it'd be a good idea if I told them what uh, God has laid upon my heart or something like that. Those are all great things and that's a wonderful thing. But what he is speaking, what he is preaching, what he is doing is giving the people the word of God. So as we read this message, Understand that this is, I know it's Memorial Day. I know a lot of people ain't here. A lot of people are traveling, a lot of people. So, you know, we might kind of turn, turn the brains off, turn the hearts off and just say, you know, we just kind of getting through today because we got, you know, barbecues to go to and we got family stuff to go to. You need to understand that today and, and the 1030 service and Sunday school and even tonight, I know it's Memorial Day and it's a holiday and I know we're all tired and it's been raining all night. And you might not have gotten a lot of sleep because of the thunder and the lightning and all that. But today, regardless of all those things, you are still responsible to hear and to obey the word of the Lord as it comes forth today. So we say, we say, it says, it says here in, um, in John, uh, in John, I'm going to get that. I'm going to do that all day long. It's John the Baptist we're talking about, but it's Luke who wrote it. Okay. So he says, this is his message. Verse three, it says, and the word of the Lord came to him and he came into all the country about the Jordan. This is what he was preaching. He was preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now, what we're going to be talking about today, for the most part, we're probably not going to get past verse eight or nine, so it's not going to take long. Uh, but what we're going to talk about, what John's talking about is repentance. What we're going to be talking about is repentance. That was his message. His message could be summed up in a single word, and that word was repent. Understand that Jesus is coming. That's what he would say. Jesus is coming. The Son of God is coming. The Messiah is coming. You and I need to repent. He was calling the nation to repent. Now, I think... First, I probably need to just define what repentance is. I know that that sounds strange that we probably would need to define it, but you'd be surprised that a lot of people don't really understand what true repentance is that that John is calling for, that all of Scripture calls us for. You'll see it over and over again. Repentance is always linked with faith and salvation. Here, John links repentance to the remission of your sin. So this is not just a little thing. This is an important thing that you need to understand. Repentance is not just feeling sorry. It's not just feeling sorry. I mean, Judas felt sorry for what he did, but Judas didn't repent. Judas felt sorrow because he had done a bad thing. Of course he did a bad thing. He's a human being. He has a conscience. And so he knows that it was bad, but he never repented. It's not just feeling sorry. It it is feeling sorry, but it's not just feeling sorry. It's not feeling sorry or being upset that you have got caught. You know, a lot of times we'll say, you know, uh, uh, people will, uh, some people will sin and just till their heart's content and they love it and they, they're just living in it and it's a wonderful thing and they'll defend it in their own mind till the day they die and then all of a sudden it comes out. You know, the Bible says that you be sure your sin's going to find you out and all of a sudden it comes out and now you feel bad because everybody knows it and you look at, you feel ashamed when you have to look in people's eyes and, and all those things go on. That's not repentance either. It's not repentance when you only feel bad when you get caught. If you're fine to do it all day long in front of God and and in your own conscience, in your own mind, and all of a sudden when people find out now you want to make repentance, now you want to, 
That's not repentance. Repentance is when you uh, feel the weight of your sin, not because you got caught, not because everybody's going to find out, not because people know, not because you have to pay the consequences, but because you have offended God whom you love. Repentance is when you feel the. it's by the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God comes and convicts your heart in such a way that you feel the weight of your sin. You feel the weight of that sin bearing down on you for no other reason than you have offended God. The God that has saved us, the God that has given his son to die on a cross for us. Repentance comes when you turn away from that sin because it's so ugly to you. Your heart has been changed so it, it sees that, you know, this sin is, it's disgusting. It's something that I hate. It's something that I don't want in me anymore. And you turn away from the word repentance that we're talking about here. It literally means like to change your mind, to change your direction. It's walking this way, going this way, and all of a sudden stopping, taking a 180 degree turn and going the other way. Repentance, a life of repentance doesn't mean that you never sin again. It doesn't mean that you never do anything dumb. If that were so, then none of us would be, uh, none of us would be ready. None of us would be repentant. But what it means is your heart has been changed so that your your whole being is changed to hate the sin that you once loved. To understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Understand that your sin has separated you from God and to desire relationship with God. I think the best, I meant to talk to him this morning about it, but... I think the best illustration of repentance that I've ever heard that's going to bring it right down so you understand exactly what it was. Uh, it was a one time, and I'm probably going to get the story all messed up, uh, but Brother Eddie told the story about him being under a house one time, working, you know, doing carpentry work. I don't remember what he was fixing or what he was doing, uh, but the house shifted on its foundation or something like that. It, 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 it moved, it creaked and moved, and and that moment, he realized, he realized the danger that he was in. You know, the house is going to fall down on top of him. And at that moment, something changed and nothing else mattered. The tools he had didn't matter. The, the, the work he was going to do didn't matter. Getting paid for the job that he was there to do didn't matter. The only thing that mattered was get your butt out from under the house. That's the only thing that mattered. Everything else just kind of fell away. That's a picture of repentance. When God moves on your heart and you repent of your sin, the only thing that matters, you understand, hey, I'm in danger. I'm in danger of the wrath of God. And the only thing that you care about, the only thing that uh, has, the only thing that's important is for you to get out from under that danger that you're in. Get to the light of salvation, so to speak, which is Jesus Christ. It's something, it's something that rises up in you that turns you away from your sin and let, and forces you to throw yourself upon the mercy of God, the mercy of the cross. That's what repentance is. John came preaching this repentance for the remission of your sin. He came, he came preaching that, that you and I have offended God and we need to turn. Repentance is not a light thing. Repentance is necessary for salvation. There's so many times, and you've seen it just as well as I do. So many times people will come and they want to be saved from hell. But they don't want to be saved from their sin. 
They don't want to be free from sin. They want to still dwell in sin and dabble in sin. I'm not saying that you got to be perfect or anything like that. You know what I'm talking about. You love sin. You want sin. I, 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 I'm not giving up my sin. I love it as, as, as much as I can love anything, but I sure don't want to go to hell. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, I'm going to follow the ritual. I'm going to do what you're supposed to do. You know, you're supposed to, you're supposed to walk down the aisle when, when it's the end of service and the music's playing and you're supposed to walk down the aisle and you're supposed to repeat whatever, whatever the preacher says. And then you're supposed to go through the baptistry. And then all of a sudden now I don't have to worry about hell anymore, but that's not, that's not necessarily repentance. Repentance is being, it's desiring to be saved from your sin. It's desiring to be free from my sin, my, the penalty of my sin is desiring to have the Holy Spirit inside of me that will give me the tools that I need to war against sin. It's a desire to be righteous in the sight of God, not just righteous in Christ, which we are when we're saved, but it's the desire to live righteously. I'm not saying you're making a hundred. Uh, you're not making a hundred. I can go ahead and tell you that. And neither am I, but you have a desire to live righteously. You have a desire to please God with your life. And every single day we blow it. Every single day we biff it and we have to run back to the mercy of the cross. We have to throw our on the salvation of God and say, look, I, I can't do it. Uh, you have got to pay for this sin that, and, and trust in God for what he has done. Trust in Christ for what he has done and throw ourselves on the mercy of that, of that cross. But it's a desire in us that we desire to turn from that sin, to hate that sin. And it's something that is, is true in believers' lives. We talk about, we talk about John's preaching. We talk about repentance and salvation. And you may be thinking, well, I'm already a Christian. You know, I've been born again. And so therefore I'm good. I've already done that. It's already a done deal. That's not true repentance. True repentance is a life that you're going to live for the rest of your life. If you look in John, in first John, uh, chapter one, verse nine, you've heard it many times. It says, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That was written to Christians. You and I are living a life of repentance. Every day that you get up, the mercies of God are new. Every day that you get up, you understand that I have to have mercy and I have failed and I have done wrong and I have sinned. And you throw yourself upon the mercy of God and you trust in Christ that he has saved you. And every day we live in that spirit of repentance and faith in Jesus. Every single day. It's a lifestyle that you now live. A changed heart is going to be a repentant heart and it's going to be a heart of faith toward Christ. And so John came preaching. He's preaching this baptism of repentance for the remission of your sin. You and I need to understand that repentance is necessary for salvation. It's necessary. It's not just a little thing. It is necessary for salvation. I want to show you a couple of ways that it is. It says he came into all the country in the Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. Now, you, uh, you, you may skip right over that word baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. But the Jews that John was preaching to would know exactly what he was telling them to do. Without repentance, you cannot be accepted into the people of God. It's as simple as that. Now, for us, remember, this is before Christ came on the scene. This is before the death, before the resurrection. This is not Christian baptism that he's talking about. 
This is not Christian baptism that he's proposing. This was a Jewish rite of washing. You would, uh, you would, uh, uh, if you want, or a Gentile, if you were not born into Israel, if you were not born into the people of God, let's say you're from another country or whatever, and you came and you said, you know what? I want to be part of Israel. I want to worship the true God. I want to worship the one who, you know, the one who y'all, y'all worship. I want to go to the temple and do the sacrifices. I want to be in, I want to be an Israelite. I want to be part of y'all. I want to worship the true God. Many people, many Many Gentiles came in and you would have to go through this ritual. They do it in the temple, in the temple complex. And they would, they would take the Gentile and you'd have to say a few things. You'd have to proclaim your faith in the true God. And then they would ritually wash you. They would baptize you. And that was a ritual for a Gentile to come into the people of God. Well, John steps out of the wilderness and he starts baptizing Jewish people. He starts saying, wait, 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 unless you repent, you're not part of the kingdom of God. So we need to go through this with you. We need to repent. You need to repent of your sin. You need to come and be inducted into the people of God. And he was pointing toward the Messiah that would come and that would save them from their sins. So understand he's telling them basically by saying he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. He wasn't saying, he wasn't saying, hey, baptism is going to remit your sins. He was saying you have to have a repentant heart if you want to be part of the kingdom of God. Later on in this same section, he's going to say, don't say that because we're children of Abraham that we've got it all going on. He's going to say God can raise up children of Abraham from these rocks right here. So you see the picture that's painted here. These people were thinking, you know, we're good. We don't have to worry about any of this stuff. We don't have to, we're good before God because of who we are. We're Abraham's children. We're, we're from the stock of Abraham. We are the quote unquote people of God. Therefore, God could never be angry with us. God could never, uh, 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 pour out his wrath upon us. John came to them preaching, Hey, you need to repent of your sin if you are going to be in the people of God. And that's why he was preaching this baptism of repentance. They knew exactly what he meant. And this is why it was so offensive. Can you imagine uh, you and all your Jewish friends go out to see this great new preacher, this guy that's out in the wilderness that, you know, it's like a conference or a crusade or something like that, that he's holding out in the Jordan River. And you go out there and he, he says, look, you, sir, need to repent of your sin and come be baptized as a, ba- as a sign of your repentance for the remission of your sin. You would say, who, me? I'm Jewish. I don't need to be baptized. You're talking about getting Gentiles into the, king, into the Jewish people. I was born this way. I'm in. I'm already one of the people of God. I don't have to worry about it. John was letting them know the same thing that you and I have to know before we hear the story, the old, old story of Christ in the gospel, that you are in danger. You are in danger of the wrath of God. He was putting it right in their face saying, you need to repent that sin has covered you and the wrath of God is about to, is about to destroy you. Later on, in just a minute, he's going to say the axe is at the tree. It's about to take you. You need to repent of your sin. You would say, this guy's crazy. This guy's crazy. How could he say such a thing? We're Jewish people. We don't have to worry about the wrath of God. We're the children of Abraham. And so he was telling them, basically, you cannot be accepted into the, pe- into the people of God without repentance 
and faith. And true repentance always ends up in faith in Jesus. I probably should have said that at the beginning. Repentance is always repentance from your sin toward God. Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. They're two sides of the same coin. Think about it. If I'm walking this way and I turn, I have to turn toward something, don't I? If I'm up under the house working and I got to get out from the house, what am I running toward? I'm running toward the light. I'm running toward daylight. I want to get out from under the house. And so true repentance, true godly sorrow is always repentance that turns toward God in faith, toward Christ in faith. It's not just being sorry. Everybody's sorry for doing something wrong. That's just built into who we are. But true repentance is not only sorry for the sin that we do. It not only turns from the sin that we do, but it trusts in Jesus. It trusts in the one who can save us. And so John came preaching this message and he needed them to know. And you and I need to see this today, that repentance is necessary. It's necessary for the remission of your sins. If you want your sins remitted, you must repent of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That is John's message. His John, John's message is repent. And then here in this chapter, he's going to say, there's the Savior. There's the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. You trust in that Savior. And so repentance is necessary. It prepares your heart. It prepares your heart to receive Christ. Look at verse 4. It says, John came preaching baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. And then he quotes Isaiah chapter 40. He says, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough way shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Understand that this is what it means to repent. John is coming preaching and he was fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah, and what you see here is a picture. You see a picture of uh, in, in, in ancient times, a king would come if he was, uh, was going to come to a town or come to a city or come and, you know, be around his people or whatever. Uh, he would send a messenger before him and that messenger would let them know, Hey, the king is coming. The king is coming and therefore you guys need to get everything ready. And the people of the town, the people of the city, they would go out and they would make his, his approach route it, they would make it straight as possible and smooth as possible because he would come in and they would line the streets and it'd be like a, it'd be like a parade. They'd be hailing him and, and giving him honor and he'd come and pomp and circumstance and all that kind of stuff. And you know, it, it, it hard, it's hard to be real regal when, you know, you're bumping on the, on the, on the road and all that kind of stuff. And so what they would do is they wouldn't tear down hills or anything like that, but they would go and make the road straight. And this is, this is a picture of what John is doing. He's fulfilling this prophecy. He is preparing the hearts of the people. He's making the path straight for God to come, for Christ to come and for them to put their trust in him. Repentance is what prepares your heart. You cannot, you cannot understand what it means. You can't understand the need 
to trust in a Savior until the Holy Spirit reveals your sin and convicts you of that sin and lets you know that you are in danger. I'm going back to the house thing. If, if he was under the house and the house never creaked, the house never moved, and he was just there doing his work, doing whatever he was supposed to be doing, and never realized the danger that he was in, that the house was about to fall or something like that, he would have never tried to run out from under the house. He would have never moved. He would have continued doing what he was doing. And so the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. That's what the Spirit does. And so John is preaching, repent, repent. You need to understand the danger that you are in. You are in danger if you are living in your sin. You're in danger because sin has separated you from God and wrath is about to fall upon you. And it's preparing the way. When you understand if there was no gospel message and all we had was repent because you're in sin and it's separating you from God, that would be an awful message. That would be a terrible message because basically you'd be without hope. You would be without hope and it would leave you completely, um, it would leave you completely, I don't know, I'm thinking about a guy in a ditch. It would leave you in a ditch somewhere because there's no way out. Understanding that you are helplessly and hopelessly separated from God. But that prepares you. The law, it says, is a schoolmaster. And what that schoolmaster does is it throttles your behind until you understand that there is no hope for me. I have to I have to go and receive this salvation that God has offered by giving his son on the cross. Understand this is what prepares the heart. That's why we give the law first and then we bring the gospel. That's why so often it takes it takes some shaking It takes some shaking of the law and people to understand their sin, understand the danger. Everything is not all right. Everything's not okay. That's not the message of scripture. Everything is not fine. You are in danger. I am in danger of our sin dragging us to be separated from God for eternity in hell. We are in danger and that understanding as the spirit brings that understanding of that danger to you and to I, it forces us, it pushes us to throw ourselves upon the mercy of Christ. You feel when you feel the weight of sin, if sin is no big deal to you and if it's no big deal and it's like, well, whoops, I done messed up again, then you probably ought to examine your heart. If, if sin is something that you can live in, you say, you know what? I know it probably ain't right, but I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Then you probably need to examine your heart. I'm not saying that you're perfect or that you never sin. I'm saying if God has not changed your heart in such a way that you hate the sin that you once loved, you probably need to examine whether you are a Christian or not. Because this is what makes the path straight for Christ to come in. This is what prepares the soil of your heart. You know, if you're going you're gonna to plant the seed of the, of the gospel, you've got to till the soil up first. And it talks about that in the parable of the soils. This is what makes the soil of your heart good is the repentance, the, the understanding that you need a Savior. You're in danger. You're in danger of the wrath of God. And so you need to understand that you cannot get around it. Repentance is necessary. Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. There is no such thing 
uh, as faith in Christ without repentance. And there is no such thing as repentance that does not put its faith in Jesus Christ. The two are two sides of the same coin. And you and I cannot get around it. When you talk to someone, when you try to lead them to Christ, I remember uh, uh, having a conversation with a young lady, a uh, little, little young lady, probably, I don't know, five or six or seven years old, after one of our vacation Bible schools, and uh, parents came, brought her the, I don't know, a week later or so, and we were sitting right out there on those little couches, and uh, they said, you know, I think my daughter is ready to be saved. I think she's uh, coming to an understanding of who Christ is, and so... I mean, I'm excited. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'm, uh, they, they wanted me to just talk with her just a little bit to see if you know, she was ready to trust in Christ and be baptized and all that. And so we were, I was all for it. I sat down, go to talking to her. And to be honest, she had all the right answers. She knew who Jesus was. She knew what the cross was about. She knew, she knew that you know, he died on the cross and that he rose again on the third day. I mean, she could answer literally every question. And the, the, the only question really I had at the end of it was, do you know what sin is? And of course, she said, you know, yeah, it's something that's really bad. And so I started just, instead of asking questions, just started going through some of the Ten Commandments. You know, it says, thou should not steal, don't murder, don't uh, covet something that's not yours, don't honor your father and mother. And I said, have you done any of those things? And her answer was, no, I've never done any of those things. And right then I could say, you know, I, I don't, I don't, think she's, I don't think she's ready. She understood who Jesus is, but she didn't believe she was a sinner. She didn't believe that she had sinned. I mean, she had, didn't believe that Jesus was going to save her from her sin. As far as she was concerned, she'd never sinned in her whole life. And so the soil wasn't, the soil wasn't ready. It wasn't, she's since come to faith in Christ, you know, understand, so it's all good now. But at that moment, at that time, the heart wasn't prepared. She had no concept of her being a sinner, of her needing salvation. She knew the story and she knew the plan, but it wasn't really applying to her. There is no salvation without repentance. And you can't get around it. Look at these people here in verse 5 that try to get around it. Or in verse uh, 7. It says, Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him. Now look at this. It says, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? The multitude that came forth, what did they come forth for? To be baptized. They were all about it. I mean, they were like, okay, I'm ready to be baptized. John, hey, John, nice to meet you. I'm whoever from Jerusalem. We're ready here to be baptized. They were, they were all about going through the ritual. They were all about going through the deal. They were like, yeah, okay, I'm ready. Come on, let's baptize. And, and instead, you know, if it was me and somebody said, come on, you know, I'm ready. Let's go. You know, we would probably say, all right, well, let's go. John doesn't do that. Remember, he's a prophet of God. He comes and he calls them snakes. He says, you generation of vipers. They're, they're there going, I'm ready to be baptized, John. Come baptize me. And he says, oh, generation of vipers, who has warned you? Who's warned you 
to flee from the wrath to come. They came to be baptized and they were happy. They were happy to go through the ritual. So many people today, we're happy to go. They're happy to come. I'm happy to come and move my church membership. I'm happy to come and and be baptized in the water. I'm happy to come and do the ritual that I'm supposed to do. What you say I'm supposed to do in order to be a Christian. I'm happy to do those things, but no heart of repentance, no, uh, no agonizing over their sin, nothing like that, which would indicate the work of God in their hearts. And of course, John being a prophet of God, he could see it and he said, you guys are, you guys are children of the devil. You're, you're the seed of the serpent, which is Satan. You, you, you vipers, you generation of vipers, who has warned you? Who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He's telling them, this is not just a little, this is not just a little thing that you do. This is not just a ritual you go through. There is a real wrath that is coming. And unless the Holy Spirit has drawn you, unless the Holy Spirit is drawing you and revealing sin, convicting you of sin, righteousness, and judgment, who in the world has warned you? You have no warning that there is actually wrath to come. That is the work of the Spirit of God that leads to repentance. He says, who warned you to, uh, to flee from the wrath to come? John is not a very PC guy. He's not a very, the, the people, if that would happen today and somebody come and say, you know what, I think I'm ready to be baptized and maybe, maybe the preacher or the deacons or the, you know, the Sunday school teachers or whoever's in charge at the church would say, you bunch of vipers, who warned you? They'd throw that joker out. They would vote him out. They would, you know, bring a lawsuit maybe. He is not a piece of, you would not want John the Baptist to be your pastor or your spiritual mentor or your Sunday school teacher or anything like that. He basically told him, you are, you are the devil's kids and you need to get away from me. You need to get away from me. I'm not doing anything with you. He said, who, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And you cannot, what he's telling him is you can't get around repentance by just going through the ritual. You can't come, John would say, you can't come just to be baptized and not feel the weight of your sin, not repent of your sin. That just means you're a, that just means you're a, um, a decent looking son of a viper. I mean, you, you're just a decent looking snake. You're a snake that people might want to play with or pet. Yeah, that, all that means is you've dressed up the pig, but it's still a pig on the inside. It's still ugly on the inside. You can't come and do the ritual. You can't come and be church member. You can't come to be baptized, John would say, without repentance. There's no sense in it. There's no point in it. And you also can't get around it. You can't get around it by trusting in yourself in any way, shape, or form. John tells them this in um, verse 8. He says, and they came to be baptized. He said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He says, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able to raise of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. You see what they were doing? We talked about it a moment ago. They were trusting in something that was in themselves. They were saying, you know, I don't need to repent, really. I mean, I'll be baptized. I'll I'll be happy to submit myself to your baptism. I'll be happy to do it because, look, everybody's coming out and we're all coming to the Jordan and we're all, you know, having a good time and and, and you're preaching and we believe that you're a prophet of God. And so we will be happy to come and be baptized. 
And he tells them, you can't come that way. You must bring forth the fruits of repentance. You must bring forth the fruits worthy of repentance and don't trust in yourself. Don't say I'm not a sinner because I'm Abraham's child. Don't say I'm, I haven't done it. God is not angry with me. I'm not separated from God because I am Abraham's seed. He says, I'll tell you the truth. God can raise up Abraham's seed out of the rocks that you see lying around this river. If you go and look in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, really the whole chapter of Galatians chapter 3, Paul talks about the fact that Jesus is Abraham's seed. And Galatians chapter 3, verse 29 says, If you be in Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So he looks at them and he says, Just because your great, 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 great granddaddy was Abraham, don't think that that gives you a free pass with God. You must produce fruit that is worthy of repentance. You must come. You cannot get around repentance. You can't come and go through the ritual. You can't come and do go through the motions. You can't come trusting that really I'm a good person. Mom and dad raised me right and I was raised in a Christian home. And I mean, look around. We live in the Bible Belt. We live in the South. I mean, of course I'm okay. I was born a Christian. I was raised a Christian. I, I met a guy one time. He wasn't a patient in the hospital, but he was a guy that worked in the hospital. I said, well, well tell me when you've been saved. He said, I've always been saved. I was born a Christian. I was born. I understand you can't trust in your, you can't trust in your lineage. You can't trust in your heritage. You can't trust in anything. You must be born again. You must be born again. And that comes with repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And so he tells them, you can't get around it. You must produce the fruits worthy of, of repentance. That is the evidence that repentance has taken hold when fruit is produced. That's the thing you describe. If you want to describe repentance, it always produces fruit. Always. The repentance in your heart will always produce fruit in your life. It'll always, you always do what you love. That's a, that's a given. We've said that uh, many times here. You will always do what you love. You will find a way to do what you love. You will sacrifice things in order to do what you love. You will do what you love. If you love it, it doesn't matter what has to happen. Come hell or high water, it's going to get done. I'll sacrifice my time over here. I'll sacrifice money over here. I'll do whatever it takes to do what I love to do. And so what you and I need, what the world needs, is a new heart that loves God rather than loves self. And so when you have a heart that loves Christ, that loves a God, that wants to serve him, that is, that is born from above, when this heart comes into you, you understand you will show the fruits of that heart. You will do. It's not like it's saying, all right, I got my checklist and I need to do the fruits of repentance. So today I'm going to do this and I'm going to make sure I do that. I'm going to make sure I do that there. Okay. That, that ought to be some good fruit today. So that ought to be enough to satisfy God today. I've done, I've done some fruits worthy of repentance. So it's all good. That's not what John's saying. John's saying you need a new heart that is going to live in such a way that it produces fruit of repentance naturally. Or supernaturally. 
that it is a heart that loves God and you're always going to do what you love. And so he later on in this text, he applies. I'm not going to have time to go into it. In verses 10 through 14, you can read that when you get home. Uh, the people are stirred by John's preaching and they say, well, what do we need to do? And he goes into three different categories. He says for uh, let me just read it real quick for you. In verse 10, it says, and the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? He answered and said to them, he that has two coats, let him impart to him that has none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came the publicans, those are the tax collectors, to be baptized. And he said to him, Master, what shall we do? And he said to the publicans, to the tax collectors, he said, exact no more than that which is appointed to you. And then some soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, what shall we do? And he said unto them, do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely and be content with your wages. You can go and read that at home. And it's really interesting to notice that all three of those things have to do with possessions and money. All three of those things have to do with how you treat other people. So understand you're thinking about what are the fruits of repentance? The fruits of the repentance are, you know, we would think piety. We would think religious stuff. We would think rituals and coming and doing what we're supposed to be doing. But John's idea and him being a prophet of God, we need to accept this idea of repentance would be how you love your neighbor as yourself. That's the true test of whether you've been changed by God. Because to be honest, it's hard to love people. It's a whole lot easier to love, to love God and to sit in your car listening to worship music and just, it's a whole lot easier to do that than have to deal with people's stuff. And so those are fruits of repentance, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that some other time. You can go and read that last thing. Verse nine, I skipped verse nine. The message that John is preaching, the message that he's preaching, repent. It's an urgent message. You need to take it in and you need to understand that this is, there's a time limit on this thing. He says, this is not just, okay, let me talk to you guys about repentance. We need to, we need to really get this. He is telling them, look, now also the ax is laid at the root of the trees. And he says, every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. This is This is not just instruction. John's just not out there teaching you principles and life application on all those kind of things. He's saying, look, this is urgent. You need to hear it right now and you need to move right now. The ax is laying at the root of the tree. You can imagine what he is painting a picture of you as a tree. And the the question is whether or not you're bearing good fruit. And there is an axeman with an ax holding holding an ax right at the root of the tree. And he's like mid golf swing. He's like about ready to take that thing down. It is, it's, it's urgent and it needs to be dealt with right now. This is not something to wait around on. It's not something just to, to ponder in your mind and think, you know, that's probably a good idea. I need, he says right now, understand he tells them produce fruit, bear fruit. And that's worthy of repentance. Don't say that you can just Lay back on Abraham being your father. He said, because right now the axe is at the tree. It's about to be, it's about to be cut down. The wrath of God is about to swing. And when the wrath of God comes down, it is going to incinerate everything that is not perfect. Everything that is not absolutely holy, everything that is not absolutely righteous in the eyes of God. And if you and I are not absolutely perfect and righteous, you will be caught in those flames. 
You will be caught in that wrath. And the only way that you and I can be righteous or perfect, because none of us are, is through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ who died for us. When we repent of our sin and trust in him, he said, every tree, notice the evidence. You could say, well, I know, I know that I'm okay. I understand what you're saying and I hear what you're saying, but I know I'm okay because I remember when I walked down the aisle. I remember when I got baptized. I remember, you know, I'm, I, I'm a good church member. I, I do a lot of things to help people. You are no different than the people that came to John and said, Abraham's our father. We don't have to worry about it. Right. He says, look at the evidence. The evidence that you are, that you are repentant and trusting in Christ and found in Christ. The evidence is fruit. He says, it's the tree that is Bringing forth good fruit, that is the good tree. It is the tree that is not bringing forth good fruit. That's the one that's, that's cut down and thrown into the fire. He says the tree that doesn't bring forth good fruit is the one that's cut down and thrown into the fire. This is an urgent message that John is preaching. And in the next section of this chapter, he's going to, he, Jesus is going to come and he's going to say, there he is. There's the one that's going to save you. So you and I understand we need to have, we need to examine the evidence of our hearts because nothing has changed. Today, you and I must repent of our sin and trust in Jesus Christ to be saved. And the tomorrow when you wake up, you need to repent of your sin. You need to trust in Jesus Christ again. And every day you need to live a life that's repenting of sin and trusting in Jesus Christ. We have grown so accustomed. We grow accustomed to our sin. We grow accustomed to our, our lives of selfishness. And, and I, I, I'm as bad as anybody else, probably worse than all y'all in here. We grow accustomed to everything that is close to us. And the longer that we live, the longer that we move in this world, the longer that we dwell in this flesh, we get used to our sin. Let us never get used to our sin. Let us always understand that sin is just as ugly today as it was on the day that the Holy Spirit revealed to you that you were going to hell if you didn't trust in Christ. Sin is just as ugly today in your life and in my life as it was the the moments before you trusted in Jesus for your salvation when you were terrified of the wrath of God and peace and joy flooded your soul when you trusted in Him. It's just as bad today. Even though you are saved, if you are saved, it's just as bad today as it always has been. The message of John is the same today as it always has been. It's urgent. Repent of your sin and you trust in Jesus. And the evidence of that is the fruit that is experienced in your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for your word.